Thank you guys for having me. And yeah, as uh, she mentioned, we moved here this summer and, and l just learning the city. I'm a transplant. My wife is from here. I actually spent, she spent a year at classical just across the street. Uh, and we're just with new eyes learning about the city. And as we have done that over the last decade and now that we're officially living here, we've had a lot of conversations particularly with uh, pastors in the area, and everyone's like, you have to talk to Scott. Like, like in the first conversations, you have to meet with Scott, you have to meet with Scott. One uh, pastor in the area said, Scott is like the father to all the pastors, you know. And another pastor said, when I talk to Scott, sometimes I think, am I a Christian? <laughs> and he meant then, like, you just see, like, the passion that he has for the Lord and it just resonates with you. It's like he, he has walked with God. Okay, thank you, Ash. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. So it's uh, obvious that he's walked with the Lord. And for myself personally, just coming here and being able to meet with him, and I've seen that myself, and just been encouraged by his heart for God, and also in just very practical ways. He's like, listen... We've had some issues in build, with buildings in the past. I'm going to spell it out for you. This is what you do. Step one, step two, step three. And I'm like taking copious notes. And it has been extremely helpful. You know, if, if we get like officially in the building that we're, we're looking at and all the paperwork is signed, uh, it will be because of Pastor Scott. <laughs> it's like because we just ran the play that he put forward for us. So I hope you guys are all very thankful for him. And I'm not just, you know, he's not here, so I can just say whatever I want, I guess. But it's like, <laughs> but I, genuinely, um, like, be thankful for the passion that God has, has given you. So if you have your Bible, uh, we're going to be in 2 Timothy in chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we'll start in verse 14. Sorry, for a second I was in 1 Timothy. I'm like, I looked down at my Bible, I'm like, that's not right. Okay, 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is what it says. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can hear from your word. We come to you dependent. We need you to speak into our lives. We need you to reveal yourself to us. God, we ask for that grace. We ask that you'd give it to each and every one of us. Illuminate our eyes and our minds and enable us to obey what we hear from your word this week. Amen. So we're going to start with something. I don't know if this is weird, so I apologize beforehand if this is weird. I'm going to start with a little bit of crowd participation, okay? So I'm, I'm going to, I need you to give me some some talking, okay? <laughs> like, speak to me just a little bit. And th this is a, the question I want to ask you. What does God like? Not what is God like, but what does God like? What in the world do you look out and you say, God likes that, or God loves that, or he looks at that and he says, that is good. 
Okay? What do you say? A contrite heart. God likes contrite hearts. He loves contrite hearts. What else? Obedience. Obedience. God loves obedience. Cherishes obedience. What else? A A humble spirit. He loves a humble and contrite heart. Good. What else? His creation. Yeah. Everything in this world. You just look at, I love all the windows. That's, I think, my favorite part of it. When I visited Scott and he showed me around, my favorite part is just all the windows. You get to see every, all the beautiful trees in downtown. And, and just, you think of every single one of those leaves are created by God. And he looks at it and says, It is good. It is good. What else? One more thing. Kindness. Kindness. When someone takes the time not to treat someone just like they're a transaction, you're checking out at the gas station and you just treat them like a transaction, but you know you just slow down and then treat them like a person that God loves and cherishes. God loves kindness. Now, let's say you turn on the news, and I can imagine this happening. Let's say you turn on the news and you see some things that aren't good that God doesn't like, you know, you look out into the world and you see things that aren't good, that God doesn't like, what are some of those things? Hate. And people hate one another and hate God and hate his creation. What else? Violence. What's that? Violence. Violence. Yeah, it's like you can't turn on the news without seeing some sort of horrific thing that's happened in the world, violently horrific. One more. That was a lot of one more. Okay, <laughs> it's like I heard uh, broken families, oppression. One other. I'm sorry, I didn't make it out. But it's like all of these things. We can look out and say, God like hates those things. He doesn't just dislike it. He he hates it. Now, last summer when we first arrived, uh, ourselves and we had mission teams come to the city, and we wanted to start with a posture of learning. Like, we just want to learn what people think and how they think and how they process things, the world and who God is. So we went out and we were doing, uh, we did about 500 surveys, just three to five minutes, just, hey, what do you think about this and this and this? And uh, this summer we're doing the, the same thing. And one of the main questions we're asking is this. If you could ask God one question, what would you ask? And people are weighing in. It's like, and you can learn a lot about somebody by just asking that question. I would, if you have a friend, you're like, how can I have a conversation with them? They just ask them that question. If you could ask God one question, what would you ask? It, it will show a lot about what they think, what they think about God, what they see in the world. And as we've asked people that question, Lord willing, uh, we'd like to kind of start off the church with answering the top questions Providence has. Uh, you won't be surprised that the, the main question that people have is why, why is the world so broken or why evil or why all these things happen? It's number one by far. But Lord willing, we'll answer those questions. But as we've been doing them and as I've been seeing the answers uh, come in, something has kind of weighed on me and I think it's a good weight. And it's this, that when you answer those questions, we'll be answering on behalf of God God. And when I asked you, what is God like? You weren't just chiming in your own opinion. You were answering on behalf of God. And when I asked you, what does God hate? What is he not like? You weren't just chiming in your own opinion, hopefully. You were answering on behalf of God. How in the world can we do that? 
How can we answer on behalf of God? How can we say, yeah, this is what God thinks about that? This is what God likes. This is what he doesn't like. This is how he would answer that question or this question. Well, this text gets into that and then some. It gets into how you can know. It gets into how you can know things about God. It gets into how you can know God. It gets into how you can know what God thinks. And then finally, it gets into how you can even know yourself. So we'll start at the the first verse. The first verse, verse 14, says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it. So the context of this letter is Paul, the apostle Paul, is writing his disciple, his son in the faith, Timothy. And Timothy has been sent to the church in Ephesus to lead the church in Ephesus and get things in order. And he's saying, remember what you have learned and from whom you have learned it and believed. And in the context of that letter, earlier on in the letter, we know that he has learned from his mother and his grandmother. And earlier on in the letter, we know that he has learned from Paul. So he's referring, he's like, I have taught you these things. Your mother taught you these things when you were younger. Your grandmother taught you these things. Remember them. You know what to do. He's writing to Timothy in a pretty hard spot, leading a church. This is Paul's last letter. He's in jail. He's about to die. It would probably be a pretty hard letter for, for Timothy to receive. And Paul's saying, you know, you have believed. You know what to do. Now, I want to point out a little assumption of this text, and it's so basic that I'm sure most of you didn't even realize it. Maybe some of you did, but it's so basic I bet you didn't realize it. And it's this assumption, that you can actually know things. (laughs) That's pretty basic. It's like, to be able to learn, you have to be able to learn. And to be able to believe, you actually have to be able to see something and trust in it. And to be able to know, you actually have to have confidence that you can actually know. And throughout human history, people have debated, how do you know you can know? Or how do you know what you know? It's the area of philosophy called epistemology. It's how you can know you know. And people have put all sorts of different ideas out there. So some people will say, you can know you know through logic. That's how you know you know. So premise one, if you're in Rhode Island, you uh, you are not in Massachusetts. Premise two, you're in Rhode Island. So the conclusion is you're not in Massachusetts. Okay, it's, it's a, a logical proof. Are you following with me? It's like, and you can know a lot of things that way. You can think, you, you can realize the reality of things through logic in a lot of ways. But can you know everything through logic? No. No, it's like, if I, were, if I wanted to know how far Sacramento, California is from here, I would not ask any of you. <laughs> You know, it's it's like, and even if you're from Sacramento, I wouldn't ask you. I would still Google it, okay? Because I would know precisely how far it is away. You know, the computers with logical algorithms and all that, it'll do a much better job. But do computers know the way we know? They don't love the way we love. They don't know a person and know what it's like to sit around a fire and laugh at jokes. It's like, they don't know the way we know. That certainly can't be how you know everything. Someone look at nature, 
or discovering things through science. And science is good. You can know a lot of things through science, but everything? It's like there's a, a professor at Oxford, John Lennox, who said, science can tell you how much poison to put in your grandma's tea so she croaks, but it can't tell you whether or not you should. <laughs> so it's, that, and it's a morbid example. Don't poison your grandma, okay? Um, I don't want you to reach the wrong conclusion with that example. Um, but it's like, science can tell you how, how much. It can tell you a lot of things, but it will not tell you whether or not you should. You can know a lot of things, but everything through nature? Certainly not. Some people would say feelings. You know, you f- deep feelings of love, deep feelings of anger, deep feelings of hunger, or deep feelings of anger, the mixture of between ha- hungry and, lo- and anger. It's like all these deep feelings, this is how you know you know. But we all know that feelings can go astray really easily. That's what addiction is. When you feel like you need something that you don't actually need, that's addiction. Or you feel like you need it to a degree that you don't actually need it. You can't know through just feelings alone. But the beautiful thing is through this verse and through many other passages, the baseline assumption is you can actually know, you can actually believe, you can actually learn. And the beautiful thing is as a Christian, if you get God, you get all of those things. You get God, you get all of it. You can look at logic and you say, that's good. You can look at science, you say, that's good. We can know through that. You look at feelings, you can say, that's good. We can know through that. But with God at the center of reality, revealing reality to us. So you can know. The next verse says this, verse 15. And how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings. How from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings. If you look out in the world, there's some things that we can learn about God through the world. So in in the same way that you can know things about a painter by the way they paint, you know, it's like, I'm not, if I go into an art museum, I might nod my head, but to be honest, I don't really know what's going on. (laughs) But it's like, but if you're, but if you look at like the blue period of Picasso, it doesn't take a genius to know that the dude's sad. <laughs> it's like, just type in blue period on Google Images and like, the bro's sad. That's what's going on. It's like painters, when they paint, they express themselves. The same thing goes with creation. We can know certain things about who God is by his creation. Creation reflects the creator. The painting reflects the painter. So if you look out into the world, do you see communication? Yes, you, you see a lot of communication. In fact, people, we can't help but communicate. We can't help but it, we're constantly just inventing new ways to communicate. Some of them better than others. TikTok, in my opinion, is a swing and a miss. You know, there's a, a lot of ways that we think is, we're communicating. Some of them are good, some of them are okay, but we can't help it. We're constantly communicating. Now, if creation reflects the creator, would we expect God to communicate? We would. That would be the baseline assumption. If there is a God up there, he will communicate. Just look. So much communication. And this is what Paul is writing to Timothy. You've known what you've believed, and it came from the sacred writings. God has communicated to you. 
And if you look at all the communication, at least amongst people, how do we communicate? Words. We communicate through sentences and paragraphs and chapters and similes and metaphors and all these different words put together. That's how we communicate. That's the currency of communication for people. How should we expect that creator of all that to communicate? Words. And that's what he's done through God's word. He's, he's given us the sacred writings so that we can know things about him. But then it continues in verse 15. It says, you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. It's not just knowing things about God. You know, you can know a lot of things about your favorite celebrity through Instagram, but you don't know them. You might talk as if you know them. <laughs> Did you see? You know, it's like, you might talk as if you know Steph Curry, but you don't. <laughs> you don't know him. And the same thing is like, you can know a lot of things about God. You know, God could have just communicated facts to us that we could memorize about him, but he does more than that. He communicates in such a way that you can know him. It says here that all the scriptures make us wise for salvation. So if you turn to Matthew 1 and you read Matthew 1, what is that passage meant to do? Make you wise for salvation. And you turn to Leviticus 23. What is Leviticus 23 supposed to do? It's supposed to make you wise for salvation. Genesis 3, Philippians 2. I'm just, just, you go to any page and it's meant to show you this is how you can know God. Have you ever been reading through one of the minor or major prophets and you read a few chapters of just wrath and then you read a few chapters of God's unceasing mercy and grace and you're like, what is going on here? It's just up and down and up and down. Has anybody experienced this? Okay, am I the only one? Yeah, it's like, what is going on? Well, all of that is it like God will judge. It's like we see a picture of God's going to judge. He is, going, he is not going to let the guilty go unpunished. But at the same time, he is a gracious God, a long-suffering God, a covenant-keeping God. And you read, and you're, what that's doing is making you wise for something. It's creating categories in your mind, all those chapters of prophets. It's making you it's making categories of anticipation where God is going to make those things touch. And where are they going to touch? Where is the wrath of God and the grace of God going to touch? It's going to touch in Christ. It's all meant to make us wise in salvation for faith in Christ, that on the cross, all the wrath of God for all of our sins would be poured out on him. And that by putting our faith and trust in him, we can receive forgiveness for our sins as a gracious gift from our heavenly father. Everything is making us wise for that point because God doesn't just want us to know things about him. He actually wants to know us relationally. You look out in the world, is it a relational world? It's a very relational world. If creation reflects the creator, we should expect and anticipate that God wants relationship 
even just in the core of who God is, a Trinitarian God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's relational at the core. And through the gospel, he brings us in into that relationship to know and be known by him. You can actually know God. What a beautiful thing. The next verse says this. Verse 16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. When it says all scripture is breathed out, what it means is that normal communication for us, he's using it by way of analogy, normal communication requires breathing. So if I just said, okay, I want you to talk as fast as you can, and talk so fast you can't take breaths in between words, and I said, go. Some of you would last longer than others, and you just start talking, 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 talking. What would happen afterwards, after you're done talking? <gasps> you, everyone would take a deep, unless you have some sort of like Kenny G, like ability to like breathe in through the nose while exhaling. It's like everyone here would breathe in because you need air to speak. And the scriptures are God speaking out to us, breathing out to us, communicating to us. Now, some people would say, it's ridiculous that God would write a book. And you might know, it's like the whole thing, yeah, God communicates, he would communicate through words, yeah, whatever, God's relational, yeah, whatever, look at creation. It's like, here's just one last reason to believe that God would write a book. And here's the reason. He's God. He can communicate however he wants. (laughs) That's, That's the reason. He's God, he can communicate however he wants to communicate. I, I just want to do a quick illustration. I need two volunteers. Two volunteers. Just bravely raise, raise your hand. One. And, oh, I'm sorry, two. Okay. You, and do you have a phone with you? Okay, so pull out your phone. Pull out your, for, your phone. And for you, I want you to send a text message, okay? And send a text message to yourself, okay? You can text anything you want. You're, you're gonna have a great day today, <laughs> whatever. Text whatever you want to yourself. My man Jordan in the back, um, it's, I'm glad it worked out this way so I don't have to give everyone my number. Um, text me something, okay? Okay, so, um, okay, now remind me of your name. I know we met earlier, but I, I'm blanking right now. Lynn. Okay, so Lynn is texting herself. Here's the thing about texting yourself or any sort of form of communication with yourself. When you communicate with yourself, you're in constant control of the conversation, right? You know, you could, you know, talk to yourself all day while you're, you know, doing tasks around the house and walk away from that and be like, that was a very intelligent conversation. I just said, you're in constant control of of the conversation. Now, she could continue the thread, and say whatever, whatever she wants to say with herself. But as soon as you bring in another person or another being into the communication, you are dependent on them to respond. So Jordan cannot do that with that text thread. I actually have to respond to the text. 
He is completely dependent on me to reveal my, myself to him. That's the way communication works. Communication is dependent by its very nature when it comes to other people. And that truth is especially true with God. Because unlike God, like we're all in the universe right now, we're just, right, right, this is the universe, we're here, okay? We, God is not. He is outside of the universe. So even though, you know, Jordan is dependent on me to text him back for the communication, humans were constantly communicating even when we don't want to. You know, you, you look, if we just looked out the street and saw someone walking on the parking lot, or the parking lot out there, even their, the way they're walking communicates, and we could see, oh, they must be in a hurry. Or, oh, they must not be in a hurry. <laughs> it's like, whatever, even the way they're walking, there's just communication going on. But if there's a God that's outside of the universe, we are completely and utterly dependent on him communicating to us. And that means he gets to choose how he wants to communicate. He gets to choose. And he's done it in a lot of ways, through logic, through the way we think, through nature, through the conscience, as Romans 2 says, through the internal working of the Holy Spirit, through the incarnation, God coming down as man, God with us, and then, as this passage teaches us, through his word. He has revealed himself to us. And we are dependent on him to reveal himself to us. And this is what the scripture does. It says it will teach. We humans, I don't know if you've noticed, we can be kind of dumb. <laughs> like we need, we need teaching. We need instruction. And he says, I want to teach you. Reproof. Sometimes we'll veer to the right or we'll veer to the left. Oftentimes we'll just go from driving in one ditch and say, you know, I'm tired of this ditch and we'll just go over to the other side and drive in that ditch for a while. It's like we need God to like, no, 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 over here. Oh, no, over here. We need God's word to do that in our life. Sometimes we need correction. That's when you're driving just totally in the wrong direction. (laughs) And God just, actually, let's go at the same speed just in the opposite direction. We need God to, with his word to turn us around and face us going another direction. And we need training for righteousness. We need, God's like, you, I want to train you for what you have before you. I want you to build you up so you're able to do what I've called you to do in the world. You wanna, be, you wanna change things in this world? I know you do. How in the world? You need to be trained by the word of God. And the last thing is this. The last verse, verse 17. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. All of this teaching and reproof and correction and training actually does something. His word does not go out void. It actually accomplishes something in people's lives. It completes and it equips you know the baseline assumption of that is that we come to God's word incomplete and ill-equipped. That's the baseline assumption. We come to God's word. Do you ever feel like I'm just incomplete? 
I at least look at myself and there's, man, what is going on? <laughs> it's like there's areas of brokenness and areas that just are still maturing. And it's like, man, I thought I would be more mature in that area by now. You know, it's like, but we come to God's word incomplete and he completes us with his word. You look at tasks in front of you, I'm like, I'm not equipped to do that. And he equips us with his word. And he's writing Timothy. He's in a hard place. Leading a church is not easy. And he says, Timothy, come to the word and I will complete you and I'll equip you. And the church in Ephesus is a wreck. It is a mess. And he's saying, give them the word and it'll complete them and it'll equip them. And it's Father's Day. So, you know, Catherine shared that I have six kids. Yes, you know, it's like, you know, we count to six a lot. It's a lot, it's, it's not easy. And sometimes I just look at it and I'm like, how in the world are we going to do that? It's like, if you're a parent, you know, you're just making it up as you go. It's like, I think this is what parents do. You know, it's like, you're just, but it, you come to the word and it's like, God, I'll complete you. I will equip you for that. Or maybe you're in a place that you would like to have kids, but you can't have kids right now. It's a hard place to be in, particularly on Father's Day when you're reminded of that fact and you feel incomplete. How am I, like, man, that pain. What will complete you? The word of God will complete you. What will equip you for that challenge? The word of God will equip you. Or maybe on Father's Day, you're just reminded of father wounds that you have. Every single one of us, we all have dads. And every single one of us, our dads are sinful. It's like, but some have father wounds greater than others. And Father's Day is just a reminder of that. And you feel incomplete. You feel like you've been given something or you've missed out on something you should have been given. And you feel ill-equipped. The word of God will complete you. The word of God will bring hope to you. Because the word of God teaches that although we all have broken fathers, as Christians, we also share a perfect and loving and gracious father. And we come to the word and say, God, I just need you. I need you. That's the God we serve. That's who he is. So I'm just gonna end with prayer. And as we come, and I think there's like discussion, um, but we need, we need to realize that when we go out and we live this week, which we are not ready for, whatever, we know, (laughs) we know whatever is gonna be in this week, you're not ready for it. But God is ready. He is there already. And he has given you something that will complete you and equip you. Let's pray. Father, we come before you humbly we are completely dependent on you we thank you that through your son you said come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest for your souls we thank you that you say that you will complete us and equip us we thank you that you say that you will sanctify us in truth your word is truth all of these things we need We ask them to give it, we ask you to give it to us. Amen.